Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and with me have my co-host, Cecil Phillip. What are you doing today, Cecil? Not much, Richie. And I just want to welcome everybody to episode 10 of the show. You know what? I'm really looking forward to episode 12. Episode 12? What's so special about episode 12? Well, the average podcast lasts 11 episodes. So I figure if we get to episode 12, we're better than the average podcast. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Me personally, I'm trying to go above, above and beyond 12. So let's see how far we can take this show, right? Yeah, I think we should just, you know, all of a sudden just 12 be the last one. Psh, done. You know, like drop the mic. What's up? Yep, there you go. You got it. I'm out and see you later. Yeah, but here's the problem is that we've recorded a lot more than 12 episodes right now. So <laughs> off we go. Yeah, I guess you guys are going to have to deal with this a little bit longer. Oh, poor souls, poor souls. So what you got going on, Richie? So I recently read the book by Andy Ware called The Martian. And The Martian is a story of a NASA astronaut that has been stranded on Mars. And it's a story of his survival and how he does things like uh, able to grow crops in a place that you can't grow crops and able to uh, create water and how he approaches all these scientific and technical challenges that his life depends on and how he attempts to survive on a place that's literally trying to kill him, and that's Mars. Fascinating book. It's a great read. It's it's frankly a very quick read. And if you're technical at all, I think that you would really enjoy this because Andy uh, Weir goes into a lot of technical detail, but it's not so much where it's overwhelming. The book's called The Martian, and you definitely want to check it out before the movie comes out this October. That sounds like a really good blend of science and adventure. You know, I definitely got to go check that out. Um, is it available on, can I get it on my Kindle? Can I download it and read it on my Kindle? Get it on your Kindle. And from what I understand, the audiobook is excellent as well. Oh, perfect. There you go. I'm hitting up Audible right now and downloading that uh, book. Yeah. Don't say, don't say Audible. They, they don't sponsor a show. Oh, sorry. I didn't say Audible. Bye. Yeah. Sorry. Don't, we don't do that. So what you been up to, Cecil? So me and the family have actually been getting ready for Miami Carnival. So for those of you guys that are listening that are not quite sure what Carnival is, it's it's really just a celebration of a lot of Caribbean culture, a lot of Caribbean tradition, and a lot of Caribbean folks here in South Florida. You know, we get together and we have parades, a lot of festivals, you know, different types of food, you know, shows, all that types of stuff. But it's all the way in October, but we have to get ready for it now because, you know, the tickets are starting to get sold out. Costumes for the parades are starting to get sold out. So, you know, we definitely got to get a jump on it quickly. You know, I've um, lived here in Miami all my life. And, of course, I've heard of Carnival and uh, other festivals like Goombay. But I didn't realize you guys planned out so far advanced. I thought it was one of those things like, oh, hey, Carnival's coming up. Oh, let's just go this weekend. Okay, sure. But, no, this is this is the real deal for you. You guys plan. No, definitely. It's it's definitely a really serious event, man. And people plan out for, for months and months in advance. You know, they buy their plane tickets, you know, make sure they travel and their vacations and everything are all lined up. 
you know, they're even getting their carnival body workouts on right now. Like, get your abs right for carnivals are going on right now. So you can imagine, man, this is this is not a game. <laughs> you know, I do recall some photos you tweeted out during carnival last year. I must say, your abs were quite impressive. Well, I'm hopefully I'm going to be doubly as impressive this year. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Yes, of course. And we just want to remind everybody that Code on the Beach is coming up, and that is August 7th through 9th in Atlantic Beach, Florida. It will be held at the One Ocean Resort. You can go find out more information about Code on the Beach at CodeOnTheBeach.com. And if you want to get $50 off, use the code AFTK. And who are we talking to today, Cecil? So today we're speaking to a Mr. Matt Moheny. So, so Matt's a Sunshine State native, and he's also the community manager for Launch Code South Florida, which is a nonprofit that helps people from non-traditional technology educational backgrounds start careers in tech. Mac is also an alumni of WinCode, Florida's first accredited web development bootcamp, and is actively involved in South Florida's technology, entrepreneurial, and creative communities. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. In his spare time, Matt likes to cook, travel, and do improv comedy. Oh, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I wish I knew that before we did the interview with him. Yeah, man. He didn't give us any good jokes, man. We got to get him to come back. Yeah, we definitely need to get him to come back so, and just have him make us laugh. Exactly. <laughs> he can come back. He can talk about food and he can, t- he can tell us some jokes while he's at it, too. Yep. So you can follow Matt at Tweets by Matt on Twitter. Or you can also follow him on Instagram at Grams by Matt. Ah, I see what he did there. Tweets by Matt, Grams by Matt. Ah. Yeah, but you got you got to be really careful about Grams by Matt because here in Miami that means something completely different. Hmm. We should probably tell him. Nah, we'll just leave that as a surprise. Hey, surprise, Matt. <laughs> this episode was recorded on June 9th, two thousand fifteen, and here's our conversation with Matt Mohaney. And now, away from the keyboards, feature conversation. All right, Matt. So, so first of all, I want to say welcome to the show. Could you tell us just you know a little about about you and what do you do? Sure. So, I am the South Florida community manager for Launch Code. Launch Code is a nonprofit started about eighteen months ago in St. Louis, and we help people from non-traditional technical backgrounds. So, people who've uh, done a coding boot camp or learned through online resources or um, and and some a mix of some people maybe from a slightly more traditional path as well who are just looking um, to get their foot in the door of the tech industry and primarily through um, junior developer roles so we we try to make that that process easier by partnering with um, tech employers both in St. Louis and now here in South Florida uh, to, to set up apprenticeships that last somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, two to four months that are basically like an opportunity for the employers to kind of do a try before you buy with these um, junior developers or aspiring junior developers who are, are somewhat uh, unknown quantities to the employers. Um, so that's that's basically um, the launch code model and, and, and being the community manager at launch code, um, I do a lot of stuff related to um, outreach in the aspiring developer community. Um, and and then also, um, I've been spending a lot of my time lately working on organizing this um, CS50X Miami class 
yeah, and I'm happy to jump into some more details about that. Uh, just a little bit about myself. Uh, born and raised in South Florida. Lived a couple different places, Washington, D.C., Austin, Texas, uh, which is where I sort of got my first exposure, I guess, to the technology scene. Um, and then uh, moved actually moved back here about a, a year and a half ago because I was pretty excited by what I saw happening here in the South Florida technology scene. And I thought I could take a little bit of kind of what I had begun to see in Austin and, and, and uh, some of my other experiences and then use it to help the South Florida technology community mature a bit. Sure. I mean, I know Texas is a, a pretty big place in terms of technology right now. Like what, um, what experiences did you have in Texas? So, so most of my experiences, I was actually working, I worked for an online publishing company while I was there. My day-to-day work wasn't explicitly technology focused. I mean, even though we were an online publishing firm, but I was more of a, a, a researcher. Um, but, but more of my technology experiences in Texas came sort of from, I guess you could say, extracurricular pursuits. Uh, I was involved with a, a like a, a couple tech and entrepreneurship meetup groups in Austin. I had a chance to um, participate in the the South by Southwest conference that happens every year. Um, just kind of got some general exposure to to what was going on there, mostly through friends who were coming in from the Bay Area um, who would take me around to some of the cooler South by Southwest events that were going on, uh, and then just. Um, general general sort of networking in in the the um the Austin technology community i think what 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 kind of stuck with me there was sort of the the different pieces that came together to help form the ecosystem in in Austin specifically i, I can't speak to to the um you know the rest of texas though i know dallas and houston sure, sure, sure. both have really strong um technology scenes um but in austin the the kind of the unique blend was having you know a kind of a top tier University there, University of Texas, producing computer science graduates combined with, you know, it also being the state capital. So you have this sort of, you know, influx of, of state spending. And, and then uh, you had the kind of the random happenstance accident, I guess you could say, of, of Dell, right? Um, Dell being uh, uh, based there. And that kind of was their sort of first big champion company. And that laid the groundwork for a lot of what you see there now, where pretty much any of the big Silicon Valley companies have some sort of presence, usually some kind of engineering presence there. So whether it's Google or Facebook or um, Oracle, um, they all have some kind of Austin or Central Texas kind of presence to, to tap into that, um, that sort of talent pool that exists there. So what about Launch Code made you, you know, want to get involved in, in what they're doing? I think sort of the novel um, approach to, to addressing this, this problem of, of the tech talent gap or tech talent shortage and and then kind of also combining it with like a, a social oriented mission so the the idea the, the the genesis of the company came out of um one of the co-founders of launch code is um, a gentleman named jim mckelvey he is also the co-founder of square along with jack dorsey who oh. uh, of twitter fame um, that's very cool <laughs> so so jack and jim are both native uh, St. Louis, um, St. Lucians, I think they call them, um, <laughs> St. Louisans, uh, not to be confused with someone from, I guess, the islands. So they, they started Square uh, in, Sil- in Silicon Valley, um, but they wanted to open an engineering office in St. Louis, and they did. They ended up in this situation where they were poaching talent, essentially, from other uh, St. Louis technology companies or, or, or employers with a, a large technology footprint. 
and so the kind of the for Jim the 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 takeaway there was oh that's a bad thing one is there a way we can grow this technology talent pool here in St Louis and and two kind of just looking at the sort of economic inequality that existed in St Louis uh, his background is uh, Jim's background is both as a computer scientist and an economist so kind of thinking with his economist hat is there a way we can work to to address kind of um, both of these dual trends that 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 I see that are are kind of negative so that that's the sort of the genesis of launch code and that's kind of you know the vision I think that attracted me too when they when I saw that launch code was coming to South Florida um, with the help of a grant from the Knight Foundation and and my own sort of interest and motivation in helping to grow the South Florida technology economy I thought that launch code would be a really cool place uh, to do that and I saw when I joined about 6 months ago we had a pretty good track record going in St. Louis at the time at when I joined we had placed something like 120 people into launch code apprenticeships. I think we're up to about 180 or maybe even 190. Yeah. And is that is that 180 just for the 6 months you guys have been uh, active in South Florida? No, 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 no. That's cumulative. So that was like the one I guess in my time since I had joined that's 60 people on top of the 120 total, but that's both between St. Louis and South Florida. So South Florida specifically we have placed uh 12 in 6 months. Well, that's still that's still a pretty good number for 6 months. Yeah, it's still good. Yeah. yeah. And 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 like a lot of um, you know, <laughs> we're we're learning a ton as we go on. Um, you know, be, even though we have the sort of St. Louis model to build off of, it, in in many ways we are a startup, I guess with a roadmap uh, and a little bit of um, I guess name recognition. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're definitely having to figure out a lot of stuff that's, you know, just unique challenges to operating in the South Florida environment. Our initial, I guess, two and a half months was really spent kind of recruiting companies and not actually actively placing people so that when we went to place people, we would have uh, companies that we could work with. Um, if we had followed maybe a slightly different like place and recruit strategy simultaneously, maybe the number would be a little bit higher right now, but we're we're still pretty happy about about where we're at. What are the some of the challenges you have in the South Florida market? There still is this challenge of of a lot of people want people who are more senior. So it it is a bit of the challenge is the the value selling the value proposition of taking the time to train up a junior person. If you're trying to get your, you know, your product out or or you know, you've got bug fixes you need to do um and and just like a sort of a large sort of uh um technical debt you're addressing or or new features to build out or any of that you, know, you guys would probably know better than I would um taking that time to to mentor someone who's relatively green um is is definitely something that's not necessarily an easy thing to say yes to one one thing i guess that is a unique challenge to the south florida market is the languages that i would say are maybe popular both in other parts of the country and then when you as a maybe new aspiring developer go you know go online and you go to say a code academy or a treehouse or something like that and and the languages that you're seeing sort of um touted there like if it's like node.js or i would say maybe not not quite as much uh ruby on rails um uh but some of maybe the mean stack kind of technologies so so if it's node on the back end or or angular on the front end not quite having those roles necessarily in great abundance to get aspiring developers into that's that's a bit of a challenge and then and then i guess the flip side of that coin is then finding aspiring developers who are working in the in the technologies that are a little more popular down here 
that maybe aren't as as w- being t- taught widely or or the resources to learn are not as widely available through the kind of online resource providers that that we look at a lot in terms of sourcing sourcing talent like usually when we're looking at a lot of the the kind of self-taught coders we work with other than the ones that come through that the CS50 class we do we we do work with a lot of people who have learned through you know working through Linda or Treehouse or Pluralsight or you know a lot of those you know, very high quality online education resource providers. So I'd say that's that's also a challenge that that I see. You know, for me, I've always noticed, you know, as you go through different parts of, you know, within the state of Florida, every different city has like a focus. So, you know, we go to Orlando and I find Orlando, Orlando probably has the biggest Windows phone population that I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I go to Orlando, there are tons of people with Windows phones, and I'm like, you must own all the Windows phones in the United States of America. Because we, we found them, we found them, and they're all in Orlando. We That's... did, but but outside of that, I mean, but with all seriousness, you know, Orlando has a lot of mobile developers. You know, in comparison to South Florida, I find we have a lot more people wanting web development jobs. You know, from a, from an enterprise perspective, and it's, it's it's very interesting how you know even within a single state. You know, you know, you go, you know, a few miles up the road, and the, the focus is just completely different. You know, and so obviously the the needs for education and the needs for training are very different. That's interesting for me to hear because I I don't know much about the the markets outside of of South Florida. I would say that um, just generally like matching the 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 skills to the employer needs is still you know that's a challenge every day, and I, I think that's probably not too different. Uh, from the challenges that a, a, a more traditional recruiter faces, just um, finding the people who are kind of the right fits or, or sort of almost the right fits for the, the roles you're trying to, to place them into. So a really interesting statistic I pulled off of the LaunchCode website it says 1 million technology jobs would go unfilled by 2020. Like That, um, that number is ridiculous to me to even <laughs> fathom. You know, like a million technology jobs... It's, it's, it's just crazy to me because if you think about today, you know, it almost feels like everybody thinks they're a, prog- they're a programmer today, right? Like there's, there's programmers that are just coming out of the woodworks. You know, the industry is just growing so quickly that it's so hard for us to fulfill a lot of the needs of, of these jobs. And, you know, I think this is also the case, too, that a lot of people, you know, they, want, they don't want the, hey, I just graduated at a college developer. But they also don't want the guy that's been here for 20 years because they don't want to pay him. Yeah. Right. You know, but it's almost like, you know, if you don't give these guys a chance, I mean, how else are they going to get the experience? And I think it's, it's, that's an issue with, with any, any job, right? Like they want somebody with experience, but they don't want to pay them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're starting to see, um, well, I guess one of the other big things that, that happened for us since, since sort of I've joined and, and since kind of Launch Code South Florida opened, though it's not, uh, directly attributable to Launch Code in South Florida, um, uh, President Obama announced this grant program through the Department of Labor called Tech Hire, um, and what it is is a um, it's specifically focused on technology apprenticeships. So the idea being, how do we do this? How do we make sure more people are kind of getting these foot in the door experiences that that will then you know make that one million number maybe closer to seven hundred thousand or, or something like that. And what was really cool about his announcing that initiative is that he cited LaunchCode as an example of 
a apprenticeship program that that is kind of what could be a potential model for for organizations seeking that grant money. So we were pretty excited about that, and in turn, we ourselves are seeking that grant money that, that we recited as a model for. So that's kind of nice. Sure, um, that's I mean, getting a shout out from President Obama that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, we were we were happened all, to me last week. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I'm waiting for my personal shout out, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll take an I'll take uh, one for the organization I work for. In the meantime, well, hey, whenever you do, don't forget us, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Th- that's a bit of, I guess, what what we're sort of up to and the challenges I, I'm seeing, at least from from where I sit right now. I guess another challenge is, is just sort of assessing for, especially for students who are coming or people coming through like these non traditional routes. It's kind of assessing what it is that they that they're capable of and 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 you know you can only you only have uh sort of limited amounts of information to go on so um that's certainly another challenge but certainly not unique to to launch code or or to the south florida market you know so i was looking on your website a little bit earlier before we we got on the call and there was this interesting video you guys have with this this gentleman named pablo I don't know if you know the video i'm talking about but you know it it, it kind of sounds like his story was he used to stock groceries correct and at Trader Joe's. At Trader Joe's, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, he got involved with Launch Code and left his job, and now he's, he's a, a Launch Code apprentice. Yes. So, so, so what, what is a Launch Code? I mean, I love that story, first of all. I, I love the fact that, you know, he felt so inspired to, to make that career change, and it sounds like it's having a really positive influence on his life. So, so could you tell us a little bit about what, what does it mean to be a Launch Code apprentice? And as, a, as somebody that's even considering maybe applying or getting involved in something like this? Like what, is, like what are some of the things that I can expect, you know, maybe sure. my, my first few weeks or first month or so in the program? Sure, sure. So, so what it means to be a, a Launch Code apprentice is that you are working in, in the sort of the company in which you've been hired at. And, and oh, actually, I should rewind a little bit. Um, so, so before you ever are hired on at a company, you, you go through Launch Code's application process, which includes sort of a standard application combined with um, you take a, a short coding assessment so that we can start to gauge kind of your, your level of what I would say is like kind of like your, your, your programmer thinking brain or your, your sort of algorithmic problem solving um, brain. It's, it's nothing too, too complicated, just kind of uh, some general problem solving stuff to work through and then we would bring you in for an interview and if 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 all that goes well and we're like yeah like we think you know both in terms of your your skills um your portfolio and and just sort of your general overall kind of your reasons for wanting to make this career transition like Pablo did like we think you know we we think that you you'd be a really strong candidate to be placed into a launch code apprenticeship then we sort of work on then placing you, we, we kind of try and give you a couple of options in terms of companies that we can get you in to, uh, to you know, interview with. It's, it's a kind of like at, at that point, it's, it's, it's generally like a placement process. So we're trying to help you find the right fit in terms of um, an employer that um, would be excited to work with you and then you uh, simultaneously would be excited to work with them. So once, once the right fit happens... Then you are brought on board by that company in a sort of trial period that can last usually somewhere from two to four months. And while you're going through that process, 
we make sure that you have a mentor in within the organization that's going to really help you kind of grow as a developer. So both, you know, in terms of giving you work that is is appropriate for where you're at um, in your kind of skill set, and then also trying to help you grow as a coder by, you know, doing code reviews with you, by giving you sort of general feedback, um, giving you kind of a, a roadmap of the things you can be doing or should be doing to be doing your job effectively and to be improving. And we're, you know, we're also kind of there to be monitoring that process, not like physically, but, you know, doing sort of regular check-ins both with the apprentice and with the mentor to make sure that the relationship is working out on both ends. Um, and then the goal at the end of that two to four month period is ultimately that that person gets brought on board full time. That like kind of from, from start to finish is, is generally what a launch code apprenticeship is designed to look like. So when you, when you started describing the process a little while ago, you mentioned a portfolio. Yeah. So, so do you guys focus on like fresh out the gate devs or, you know, is it, is it open to everybody or, you know, do you focus on both people that are a little bit experienced and people that are completely new? Uh, so yes, we do focus on both people who are completely new and, and who maybe have a little bit of experience, but who for, you know, for whatever reason that, that sort of initial path they went down didn't quite lead to, you know, the full-time job that they were looking for. So I would say generally speaking, the people we see have somewhere between three to six months, uh, under their belt of like self-learning all the way like on the low end of the spectrum and I would say all the way up to maybe like one and a half to two years where maybe they've been doing some self-learning maybe they they were part of a freelance project or maybe even did have like an internship that that for whatever reason didn't pan out the way that they had hoped and and so we're like okay like cool you're still green enough that we feel like we we can help you get where you need to be so that's like I would say kind of that that's the range of people that were we're generally working with, um, and then we do sometimes we'll see we'll see some people who are more like uh, they had worked as a developer for maybe a number of years, but then you know they took time off to raise a family, and their their skills are not sort of current, and and they're looking at us as a way to maybe relaunch their career in in technology if if they um you know if they because they feel like going back back into the job market on their own might not be they might not meet with as much success. So we, we do sometimes see people like that coming our way. We don't set any specific criteria in terms of like you can only have like X number of years of experience or you must have a minimum amount of experience. Our, our, our philosophy is, I guess, to cast as wide of a net as possible and then then work with with the people who come our way to figure out, you know, who are who will ultimately like be the best fits for the, the apprenticeship roles that we have. So another thing I, I wanted to... to to dig into a little bit. So it looks like you guys have a partnership with edX. And, and, and those for the, everybody that's, not list, that's listening and not, not doesn't know what edX is, um, you know, it's, it's pretty much like a, an online curation of, you know, tons of these computer-based courses, I suppose, from different universities and whatnot. Am I, am I right about that, Matt? That, is that... That, that's correct, yes. So tell us about the, the partnership with edX and, and how does, you know, how do they give those resources to, you know, those, your, your launch code um, candidates? Sure. So um, the partnership with edX, the, the sort of 
the primary edX course that that we offer is uh, CS50, which is or CS50X rather, which is Harvard's Intro to Computer Science class. What that we sort of decided, a, 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 you know, close to the inception of the organization itself, that in terms of getting people who are coming to us with, you know, say, hey, I have no prior computer science experience, no program experience. What do I do? We decided that that CS50 is is sort of a really strong um, foundational class to get people into programming and development. So what we do now, both in St. in St. Louis um, and now here in South Florida, is we offer in person versions of that edX class. One of the issues with the, I guess you could say the MOOCs, the the massive online uh, open classes, is the attrition rate. Right, a lot of people sure. start. A lot of people start them, but for you know a variety of reasons, you get some you know into week three, and uh, the problems are really hard, and and like kind of life catches up with you, and you're like ah, you know what this isn't that important. So, what we try, what we do is we we provide a support structure around you know world class content, so that we can make sure we can help more people finish that class and and ultimately use that class as sort of their first kind of step into the world of, of development and, and that first step towards making the career transition that they're looking to make or, or starting that career um, in technology that they're looking to start. So that's kind of broadly speaking that what we do with edX, it's primarily focused on this one uh, CS50 class. Here in particular now in South Florida, the way that that relationship is working is we are partnered with Miami-Dade College with um, HarvardX, which is sort of the Harvard arm of edX, and CareerSource South Florida. And the way that works is Miami-Dade College provides the instructors and teacher teaching assistants for the class. Uh, edX, of course, HarvardX provides that content. And, and actually, this past semester, the team from Harvard, uh, Professor David Malin, who teaches CS50, that's his his sort of baby there. Uh, he and his team have come down twice now to work with the the students who are actually just finishing the class up at Miami Dade College. Um, and we we actually just yesterday and today started the new sections of the class that are are going to run through the summer. So roughly about a hundred people at the Miami Dade College Wolfson campus, and roughly another hundred people or so at the Miami Dade College Kendall campus. Um, are just starting CS50 this week. And what's unique about this sort of new version or this new these new sections is CareerSource South Florida, which is a workforce development agency for Miami-Dade and Monroe counties, is actually helping to fund the class for those who have sort of demonstrated financial need and, and you know, are, are also possibly, you know, have been unemployed for a period of time and are seeking work. Um, CareerSource South Florida is helping to cover the cost of the class for them. So that's a really cool partnership that we have in place that we're very excited about. I like the fact that you're partnering with Miami-Dade. Do you have any other universities or, or schools, maybe even high schools or anything like that, that you guys are planning to partner with in the future? We do. We, we've definitely been talking to some, both other universities and high schools as well, who are interested in putting on uh, their own versions of the CS50 class. Right now, we haven't gone down the path of, of, of actually making that happen with any of any of the the high schools or other universities that we're talking with but that that is definitely something that is on going to come down the road okay okay 
So, so for everybody that's listening, um, could you tell us, for instance, what's what's the class schedule like? Like, how often is the class? Can I register at any time? Right. So, so the class generally class time is two nights a week. Usually, it'll be a Monday, a Wednesday, Monday and a Wednesday, or a Tuesday and a Thursday, depending where you take it. The class itself is about you know two hours each night, but then above and beyond that. There is some required time that you have to put in where it's essentially like mandatory office hours. And that's kind of to ensure that you're understanding the concepts and, and getting the help that, that you need. And, and so generally speaking, the time commitment you can expect to put in on a weekly basis is somewhere in the neighborhood of, I would say, 10 to 15 hours. Okay. And so, and so when is, uh, when's registration for, and, for the and course? So, right. Uh, registration for the next class. We haven't decided on the exact uh, date when we're going to open it up, but it will be the the class itself will start at the end of August, um, around August 25th, um, and we're going to be opening up registration coming sort of early to mid July. And the best way to find out about that would be to go to launchcode.org/cs50xmiami. And right now, if you go to launchcode.org slash cs50xmiami right now, uh, what you'll see is just kind of a, a landing page that lets you know a little bit about the class and, and gives you a form where you can sign up to basically uh, be notified when registration is open. So I would say for people who are, are interested in taking the class, the best thing to do right now is go to that, that page and sign up to be notified when when registration is officially open. So one more thing I, I wanted to ask you. like I, I sure. really love... you know. The whole education angle, in terms of technology and you know empowering people outside of traditional university-based you know classroom type-based learning methods. So for people that are maybe interested to say maybe even teach a class or donate some time to to helping out some of these people learn or maybe become a mentor or something like that, is there anything that they could do to you know get involved in LaunchCode to to help some of these aspiring programmers? Uh, absolutely. We look at CS50 as, as a sort of a first step in learning to become a developer or learning a, a set of development skills. So we're always you know, very eager to put the people who go through CS50 in touch with sort of additional opportunities for learning, you know, maybe specifically say like .NET development. So if there are developers who want to offer their time who are listening, I would say the best thing to do is to email me at matt at launchcode.org and, and just, you know, I'm more than happy to talk to you. All right, great. Well, you know, definitely that's, that's tons of great information. And, you know, again, I really, I really love, you know, the mission of this company and the kind of things that you guys are doing in the South Florida community. Do you have any, any, uh, any final words you'd like to pass on to our listeners about LaunchCode? I would just say that, that if you are someone who is thinking about going down the, the career path in, in technology, and you're not exactly sure where to start, I would say LaunchCode could be a great opportunity for you to launch your career in technology. And, and I would definitely encourage you to check us out either you know by going to the website or by emailing me directly at matt at launchcode.org. It was great talking to Matt. We want to thank him for coming on the show and sharing what LaunchCode is doing in the community. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com or on Twitter at AFTK Podcast. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, you can comment and rate us. 
And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletter where we give you behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next week on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have a conversation with model turn coder Paula Valiente. Is that what it is? Valiente? That, that's what it is. Paula. You got it. Paula Valiente. And it's a great conversation. We'll see you next week. Ciao. to thank you for listening to Away From The Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego! All right, Matt, we have one final question for you um, <laughs> that we ask all of our uh, guests on the show. What do you do when you're away from the keyboard? Dum, dum, dum. When I am away from the keyboard, I, I actually like to uh, cook a lot. Uh, I am, I guess I'm a, like a dilettante chef. Uh, and uh, yeah, I... Uh, I, I'm always looking for new recipes to add to my repertoire. Uh, see, no, you said the magic word. He said food. He said food. <laughs> he said food. We actually had uh, uh, another guest who's really into food, and he told us about, I, I think it's a technique called sous vide, and it, it's where essentially they put the, the food in plastic bags and under this uh, rigorously controlled uh, water, and it just cooks, especially meats, just crazy different way than you would normally um, if it's grilled or fried or anything like that. Whoa. I cannot claim to know of anything <laughs> that cool. <laughs> I, I saute, I grill, I boil, I bake. <laughs> you know, the, the, the sure, pretty, sure. pretty much the, the you know, um, standard operating procedure. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome.
Cool. Yeah. So um, actually, I just uh, the, the guys that tested just did a um, a video on how to get smoke ribs in an apartment. So there's no smoker, no nothing, and um, it, and they had this chef on there kind of show you how to do that. And it was fascinating because that's how they cooked the food was in this, I think, sous vide. I think it's the name of it. It's a French word or something like that. Okay. And then they had um, these vegetables, garlic and onion and, and things like that. And they put that into an oven for 350 degrees for a couple of hours. And these vegetables became, you know, very crinkly, almost burned, but not quite. And then they put all these spices for the, for the rub they put that into a coffee grinder, you know, like you would find in a grocery store. And then they put it all uh, with the vegetables and, and all the uh, spices in together. And they got this rub. And through the, the vegetables, it got that smoky flavor. Then they took this like molasses um, that was been kind of uh, watered down a bit and put it on there. Then they put the rub on there, put that back into the oven after the ribs have been uh, cooked in that sous vide kind of way. Uh, put it back into the oven for 350 degrees, and they had these crazy-looking, phenomenal. I, I wish I could taste it through the video. You know, was, you know these ribs that they claimed because I didn't taste it uh, had this great smoky flavor without a smoker. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to put that link on the show notes. So when the show goes live, you're gonna have to check it out. Nice. Awesome. And it also kind of sounds to me like we're going to have to have you come back and have a discussion about some food. Yeah. yeah. Well, that absolutely. Done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. Well, again, hey, Matt, definitely thank you for coming on the show. And again, we really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for having me, guys. Sure. Thanks, Matt. All right. Cool. <laughs>